All right. So to start out, uh, I want you to ask me if we uh, if we think we're going to have a good show. No, probably not. Oh, you want me to ask you? <laughs> so let's say let's say that's not a great sign off the bat. Now we'll we'll, cut, we'll call this out. Um, Carlos, do you think this is going to be a, a good show? Yeah, I, I feel confident because I'm the best podcaster in the world. It's oh, simple. nice, nice. So I have a question about this. Sure. So that that is uh, last night or at the end of the uh, Cavs game five loss of the NBA Finals. Um, LeBron in a post in a post game interview said, uh, "Yes, he feels confident because he's the best player. He's the best NBA player." in the world. It's simple. So I've always wondered what, what is like kind of the, the line or the threshold of when confidence becomes like annoying arrogance in for talented people or like uh, professionals, uh, athletes. Do, do you like LeBron? Do you respect like his game? And do you think that type of attitude like does it does that bother you or does that make you think well no he is that good? What what are your thoughts? Because I find it off putting. In in general, I do like LeBron and it, and I do very much think that he is a fantastic player and and probably is the best player in the world. Um, but you know, so I you know I think the way that I think about this a lot is if adjectives about you descriptors of you should be brought upon you by other people. Does that make sense? You shouldn't you shouldn't be the one to have to put those descriptors on yourself. Exactly. I think like a, the the appropriate humble person should uh, like cautiously wait for praise to be like bestowed upon them. Like I mean like again like to to put like this in perspective of somebody who is legitimately great but is is humble about it would be like your buster posey or your madison bumgarner who will accept praise gracefully but doesn't go go on talking shit not to make this family unfriendly but just just you you can't talk about your own greatness i think that kind of it it reduces it just i don't know it's, it's the wrong way to have a conversation I think that's a I think that's a more eloquent way to put what I was trying to say. You you can't talk about your own greatness. I I completely agree with that. And I could be remembering this wrong, but I think that is one of the things that I actually didn't mind or actually liked about Kobe Bryant. Where he he was I mean I know he's a ball hog. He has many many issues and he's ending his career on a very low note. But I mean for the storied career he has he has had so far, he for the most part has has exuded like a, a a well-deserved confidence but wasn't really kind of like a kind of a dick about it. Yeah, he has a reputation I think in the media of you know, I, I think handling himself pretty well, although the flip side of that is on the court and kind of in the locker room, he is known as being just a a terror and kind of a uh egotistical maniac. No, well, then I take it all back. <laughs> but I guess, you know, that's that's sort of like the world that athletes live in, where there's sort of this on-the-court reputation, and then there's sort of your reputation in the media. And I think, you know, when you're on the court, yeah, you know, trash-talking and all that sort of part of the game. But when you're in front of the camera and talking to the public outside the game, I just, yeah, I, I don't really I don't really see the the purpose of kind of saying what LeBron did. Although... 
I mean, in his defense, he was, you know, coming off of another crushing loss, facing what did end up becoming, you know, the next game being his last game of the year. Um, you know, kind of what, I don't know, what what else are you supposed to say? He kind of he kind of carried that team as far as he could. And, you know, I, I think, you know, understandably so, maybe he was just letting out a little bit of frustration. Well, so I, I don't necessarily understand the whole um, LeBron, like, love again. So didn't, I mean, he left he left his hometown or his home state team to go to Miami for, I believe, what was, like, exclusively money, right? No, but we, we've talked about this. So he, he took we? yeah he took less money to go to Miami. He could, so, he could so have gotten what, more. What was the draw? <laughs> Just the fact that he was going to go to a good team. So then... So I guess I don't understand, like, because you, you, like, you know, our, our our friend of the show, Darth, will very, very frequently do uh, photoshops of that, uh, like, magazine cover, the one where he's holding the rings and has, like, his kind of, like, hands folded, and he's, he talks about coming back to Miami, or coming back to uh, uh, Ohio. Right. So what, what was that deal? Like, I, I don't understand, like, why would he leave and come back? And why is the team incredibly happy, or why is the are all the local fans incredibly happy about that and completely forgiving everything? You don't appreciate what you have until it's gone, Carlos. Hmm. Is 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 that is that something you get other from people who try iTunes Radio? <laughs> exactly correct. Yes. Uh, actually, we sh- we should talk about that. I like I I don't think last time we really covered whether or not we're excited or kind of like interested in Apple Music or not. Yeah, I guess we didn't. I guess we didn't really do that. But that's a technology topic, and, and as you know, we don't do that on this show anymore. I mean, occasionally we dabble in it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, sports. Uh, so finally, basketball is over for a while. We're, we've got a pretty safe window before we have to start listening to annoying football again. So we're just in that great period where it's just baseball. <sighs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of a. Um, in in some ways, it is sort of a nice break because. Um, you know, uh, I mean, total first world problem here, but um, it, it is, you know, why, having all these games on like during the week, it, it's sort of like, it's a lot to keep track of and it's a lot, it's a lot to watch. So it, it's kind of nice to, to be done with it now, especially, you know, I, I say <laughs> how, that how as dare some... they inflict all that sporting on you. <laughs> right. Uh, and I say that as somebody, you know, whose team was not in the playoffs. So it's kind of like, well, you know, I, I feel socially obligated to kind of keep up and watch these games. You've, got, you've got a few years and not having to worry about that, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. No, I mean, it was, it was kind of fun. Uh, you know, I was kind of in, in, the, in the city, as you say, last night and, you know, watched, <laughs> watched the game at a, uh, at a bar. And, you know, people were, people were very excited about this. Um, and it's, it's, you know, even if you're not a, a fan of the team, as, as I'm not. I'm you just know, imagining it's, it's, a, br- a bunch of Marino bros. No, I, I, I didn't. I didn't go. Didn't go out in that area of town. Okay. Um, you went where, where the real people are in, 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 the, <laughs> sure. in the West Portal. Well, that's that's a very different part of town. Hmm. Uh, what with the West Portal and and the marina, or you know. No, I know. I'm saying where the real folks are. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, but anyway, you know, it's it's it's, it's you know, it's fun to. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun to you know, be, be around it and, and have friends of yours enjoy it. And it's, you know, it's been 40 years since these guys have won. So, you know, hats off to them. Most definitely. 
We're talking about the Warriors winning the NBA title, if that wasn't clear. I don't know if we actually explicitly said that or not. You know what? I think there's certain people's things, uh, certain things people should just just know. I mean, it's a big enough cultural event, and like, and because. Well, actually, I have another question. Does it bother you, or do you ever get like slightly annoyed when you'll hear like just kind of nerds or or like technology people that just like will go like, "Oh, sports ball is on," or they'll, they'll get all like sassy about people who actually enjoy sports. Does that ever get grating to you? Oh yeah, totally. It is. I don't really, I don't really get the concept of putting down what others find enjoyment in just because you yourself don't find enjoyment in like, it. Exactly. Like, I, like I don't, I don't poop all over like like multiplayer RPG games or whatever. Like, I'm like, I don't understand why people like it's it's a topic that interests a heck of a lot of people and has has merits, but therefore, just because it's not somebody's thing, they have to get all excessively snarky about it. I think yeah, I, I think the the video game you know video games and sports falls into kind of a similar category where it seems like for whatever reason the people who don't like either one or both of those things feel like the people who do like them are are basically just wasting their time. And that's I don't know I, I've never really I've never really understood that. Yeah. Because I'm I'm totally that way. Where like with video games, there are many categories of games, like like the RPG example you're using. Where like I don't personally, I don't get it. You know, it's not it's not for me. But I whatever I don't judge about. right. I don't I don't judge people for 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 playing those types of games. If that's how they choose to spend their time, fine. Yeah. Anyway, and on that note, I will I will suggest that one of the most powerful tools at anybody's disposal is the unfollow button. Oh, that's yes. That's just because there are some people whose opinions, like I will enjoy for other reasons, but just sometimes they just like just have things they just really dislike or and choose to get extra snarky on, and it's just super easy to. That's why Twitter's is a complicated and uh, in, in, increasingly powerful medium, is it's so easy not to be bothered by uh, just sad, angry people. Is that your uh, is that your tip of the week? Uh, yes, the, the the unfollow button, uh, highly, it's 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 the best. Very good. It's 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 like four G, but for life. Hey, that might be might be our show title. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so do do you want to talk about that Apple Music stuff? Kind of. So the so the topic was: Are we are we excited about it? Right. That's kind of what we want to discuss. Well, basically, I think last time, like. So no, last week was um, our kind of keynote recap, right? Right. Yeah, I, d- I don't think, I think we talked about kind of the awkward and just, just kind of strange and weird lopsided keynote that um, at the end just kind of fizzled out with um, Jimmy Iovine asking himself many questions um, and, and coming up with uh, genius responses. But overall, I don't think we actually covered the like the totality of the product and kind of whether or not we thought, not that our opinion matters too much, but whether or not we were personally interested in it. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's something I'll take a look at, um, you know, as is documented extensively on the show. I've never really been that big of a fan of Spotify's iPhone app. You know, I, I think it's, I think it's okay, but um, for on-demand music, I just feel like there has to be something better. And I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic that maybe Apple Music will be that. You know, I think my my expectations for the radio side are, are fairly low. 
just because of you know kind of what we've seen so far with iTunes radio and just sort of, you know, internet radio in general. They're just it's it's a hard thing to do and there haven't been a lot of companies that have done it all that well. Um and then on top of that, I think trying to merge both radio and on demand together, which I think we did talk about this some last week. That's a really hard thing to do and to make that into a good user experience. So, you know, I, I could kind of see myself maybe using like the on-demand side of it, like if that does end up being a nicer experience than Spotify and like basically just ignoring the radio part. Yeah. I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic and I think I will, I will definitely try it. I mean, just cause why not? And I think that is a, a powerful position that they're able to put themselves in, which is offering a free three month trial. And also in that sense that they um, were able to negotiate with the music labels to make it so they don't have to pay any royalties to the um, uh, to the artists or the labels for that entire free trial period, which is which is insane because that means they basically just wrote them a blank check to kind of upend most of the subscription music services at zero cost to themselves, which is just nuts. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see how it is just because I think like Spotify, I don't have the complaints that you do. Um, about these, about the application itself, I think it's fine. I mean, and again, going back and forth from other subscription music applications like RDO, which generally would not play the right song from a playlist whenever you chose it, like the the bar was pretty low. But I do, I do enjoy Spotify. It has a lot of cool features that I don't think the um, Apple Music will have. Like just like when you're on like the desktop client, any transition to your phone, it keeps your playback spot. And allows you to do like that remote control stuff. So I, I don't, I really just, I'm not totally sure what the criteria is or what's going to cause me to switch or not. Because I think, well, should, I guess I should ask this. Do you think a lot of people already who have considered it or are willing to pay for music on an ongoing basis, do you think they're already on a music service or do you think they've sat it out? So you mean the people who are who have already made the decision that they're willing to pay? Like like let's say somebody thought about a subscription music service and they said it's not for me. Like I'm trying to figure out what advantage does Apple have in being the default? Like you know how like just built-in stuff automatically gets a larger audience than something you have to go out of your way to download? Right. So I'm trying to think of what is it that a lot of people don't know the service exists? Or do you think a lot of people have already thought about it and said, no, not for me? Especially what what market or what room does Apple have to grow? I don't know. It's 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 interesting too, because like I would sort of even try to take the angle of, well, it's not really about signing up people for the service. It's about having the service be a marquee feature for, you know, driving people towards buying an iPhone. But I mean, what's really weird about Apple Music is that it's going to be available on Android. So it's it's clearly not really that. It's not a way to exclusively drive iPhone sales. So I don't really know. I I, I don't know. I think I I really do think a lot of it is Apple does seem to have a really deeply rooted appreciation for music like I, I really do think that part of their company culture is their their love of music and um, I, I think they do see this service as being sort of like 
the future of music and like the best of all worlds where you can kind of, no matter how you want to listen to music, you know, this is the service for you. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's their angle as well. You know, there's all these different services that do you know, either radio really well or on demand okay or whatever the case is, but here's like your kind of one-stop shop. And maybe that's sort of the, you know, that, that, that's what they push people towards who have, have maybe sort of not paid for anything in the past. Maybe that's what kind of pushes them over the edge. Hmm. Because I, I don't really see that terribly differently than the integrated offerings that Spotify has had so far. Because I, I'm like, while I, I will be the first to say that Spotify radio is just really bad, like, I guess I'm just spoiled by how diverse and well, like, researched and, like, determined the Pandora stations are. And, and that uh, Spotify's radio is just really, really shallow in terms of, like, taste and diversity. But, like, like Spotify already offers that. So I guess I'm just not really sure of who is going to make the change. Because, like, the whole, like, Beats 1 radio thing, I mean, I'm sure that seems maybe a little cool to certain folks. But I, I, I don't understand how a single global channel is going to really draw a big audience since music tastes are so different across everybody. So I guess I just don't really know. Like, I'm sure the software will probably be better, maybe. I, I, just, I just don't know. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know, like, what, you, what your opinion on this would be, but from what I've kind of experienced, like, I find people to be very kind of kind of almost strangely loyal to their music service like if, if people have a service they like they really do sort of feel passionately about it and i've i've heard that about pandora i've heard that about spotify um i mean i guess th- those are sort of been like the two recent examples that come to mind but you know people really do kind of get passionate about not only just the music they listen to but how they listen to it and so i think you know that that sort of i think kind of emphasizes your point of like, well, how does Apple Music fit into that then? Because, you know, the people who haven't yet subscribed to a service, you know, maybe they just have made the decision they're not going to. And the people who already have, it seems like it would take a lot to get them to kind of switch away from what they're using already. Yeah. Yeah. Subscription, subscription media is hard. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, th- I think Apple Music and, you know, just to get one little jab in, one more jab in against the keynote, I mean, that, that presentation was just such a mess that I still just don't really feel like we even truly know what Apple Music is and how it's going to work and how it's going to fit kind of into this the overall iOS and, I guess, OS ten experience. So, you know, uh, it's, it, it is going to be one of those things where I, I don't think we're really going to have a good understanding until uh you know until we actually get to try it which isn't going to be too long it's like what two weeks away Mm -hmm. so do you think you'll try to use it full-time for a little bit i think so yeah no i think um i think for the for the on-demand stuff for sure i'll I'll probably kind of try to swap that out for spotify and see kind of where that puts me in fact that actually reminds me i've been meaning to pause my uh, spotify subscription so that I can that I can do that the next month or two, I should make a note about that. Uh, inside OmniFocus, how'd that turn out? 
you know, I, I haven't done it yet. Um, I, what I've been trying to do is get a little bit deeper with, uh, reminders, just, you know, just the default reminders through, no, I I access them through fantastic Cal. Um, no, I mean, I find like, I just, I don't know. There just, there really aren't many things that I find aren't getting done if I, you know, just, just use like calendars and reminders. It's just like, because even if you're not going to go like all in on the getting things done thing or like something as complex or like uh, project oriented as OmniFocus, it's just the reminders application is just so terrible. Well, but that's what I'm saying is I, I access reminders through Fantastical. Still, it's just so insanely limited and insanely bad. Like I, I can understand if you wanted to, to go with something simpler like uh, Todoist, or I think there's something called Wonderlist that people seem to like. But ah, oh, reminders is the. I don't understand how anybody at Apple thinks that's a good program. Because like, well, you, you, you kind of ask that question about a lot of their stock apps. No, but the thing is, it's not even simple to use. Like, if you want to do anything than just writing like uh, something that has a checkbox next to it. It, it's like ridiculous. Like it put just setting a due date for a reminder takes like eight steps. It, it um, I don't, I guess I don't know what, what you mean by that. I mean, especially with the Siri integration. It's no, no. If you just if you just go easy. to if you just go to the reminders application, I don't even know where the reminders application is on my phone. Well, not everybody. Has That's a, probably somewhere buried in my <laughs> iApps folder that I never look at. Is that what you call it? Uh, I don't know. Let's see here. I probably. I thought I had a unique name for that. Yeah, iApps. Yeah, you, and then, th- you you thought you thought you were the only one who came up with that? Not not came up with it, but they used it. So I have iApps for the uh, for the iOS default applications that I actually use, and then I have a folder on my second home screen hidden away called defaults. Hmm. But anyway, no. If you actually open the reminders application and you want to actually make a reminder, sure, you just tap on it and you type in. And then once you're done, you have to hit the little I, you have to say, remind me on a day, flip the box, tap the thing, go change the, the due date of it, hit done, and then it's just so much work. Yeah, but that's exactly why you should just use Fantastical and the, the natural language input method. But then, just no. <laughs> no. I, I mean, we'll see. I, I do think I'll give OmniFocus a try at some point, but... I don't know. I, I guess I'm just not. Um, I guess there isn't a problem that I'm looking to solve yet. Gotcha. I, I there there aren't things that um, I'm not getting done because I I don't have the tools to to effectively track those things. Yeah, you're already the best productivity guru in the world. It's that simple. It, it it's that simple. <sighs> Cocky man. All right. Um. <clears throat> So, what else do we have? Um, what do we have? I mean, it's kind of kind of a slow week. I mean, you know, the the big thing going on this week is E three, which you know, oh I've, god, I've resigned myself no. to you, no. just not caring about it all. So I'm not not really even going to try. Okay, that's that's very kind of you. Thank yeah yeah you're welcome. Well, I do have one question. Have you have you been following the news? Uh, very closely, yes. Can you? What's um? So I don't. Well, we'll talk about it later, but I, I have questions about Oculus. But what's the deal with the, the $150 Xbox controller? Is that how much it is? Oh, yeah. 
No, really? Mm -hmm. I didn't actually see the price on it. Yeah, like I saw there was some like funky new fancy controller, but I don't understand what makes it worth like three and a half times uh, the cost of a normal controller. Good grief, it is $150. Wow. But what's unique about it? Uh, kind of a lot. I mean, it it has these interchangeable buttons. Uh, um, so you can kind of like change the 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 feel and the and the layout of some of the buttons. Um, it's got a couple of additional like trigger buttons on the bottom of it. Um, it's it's got I guess some like things you can do, especially like on the PC side where you do some customization on what various buttons do. It apparently, comes with a nifty little carrying case <laughs> to go to um, land parties. Is is that a thing yeah, with Xboxes? <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, you know, I, 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 so I saw this during the Microsoft, uh, I watched the, the keynote that they did, but they, they didn't talk about the price there. So I, I, I had no idea this thing was so expensive. I thought, I just figured it would be, I don't know, maybe 10 or $20 more than a regular controller. <laughs> well, okay. But yeah, so I mean, you could do things like with the D-pad, for example, you can swap that out for a kind of like more rounded button which has kind of a, a different you know, kind of a different feel to it and then like with the the um the sticks you can you know put different um thumbsticks i guess as the kids say you can put different you know kind of grips on them which can have different heights and i don't know i'm pulling at straws here this thing is not worth 150 dollars. that's crazy and am I mistaken that I, I don't know if it was related to an E3 announcement or not, but didn't Microsoft release a like larger capacity three or not three sixty Xbox One, which means the like the the two hundred fifty gig or half terabyte model that they already have got cheaper, which is essentially a console price drop. Or am I am I misreading that? I think you're misreading that. I don't I don't think they announced at least not during their press conference. They didn't announce any new uh, new skew, you know, as you would say. Or any sort of price reduction to existing SKUs. Gotcha. Was there any update from Nintendo on their iOS or mobile gaming efforts? Or is Nintendo, do they just sit out E3? They do kind of just sit out E3. They, so they, they have these videos that they do periodically called Nintendo Direct, which are just like webcasts where they announce games and products and things. So they don't have a physical presence at E3, but they did run one of these Nintendo Direct videos, I believe yesterday morning. And I, I, haven't, I haven't actually gone through and looked at everything they, they discussed, but I, I don't think, or I haven't seen any headlines about uh, their, their mobile initiative. Gotcha. And did um, who, uh, Sony, uh, did they do anything that was notable? I guess, you know, that the seemed like the consensus out of the Sony press conference was they, they just announced a lot of games that people got super excited about. Um, well, which is good because don't they have like a, almost a two to one lead in terms of like next generation hardware uh, sold? It's been a while since I've seen updated numbers on that. But yeah, something like that. So, I mean, in um, that case, since they already have the install base, I think their focus would be games, right? Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, so their focus really did was, was kind of just games, games, games. Um, you know, Microsoft talked some about this controller, which God, I still can't believe it's one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, they talked about uh, backwards compatibility, so they're they're bringing backwards compatibility to a 
library of its hundreds of Xbox 360 games, as they put it. Which I, I, I'm kind of surprised that's a thing that people are still clamoring for. They, they phrased it in the press conference as being like one of the number one most requested features they still get. Well, have, have you listened to this week's upgrade? I, I'm not all the way through, no. So, I mean, at the end, Jason makes the point that he feels that backwards compatibility is actually something that's a legitimate request and one of the reasons why he has a Wii U. Because, like, I mean, for me, like, I'm not a gigantic games buyer, but if I were to ever buy an Xbox One, which I won't, but, like, all the games that I have for a 360, like, if I only had, like, if none of my old stuff would play, do I have to keep the old console around? Like, what's what's the whole point of it? So I do think backwards compatibility actually does matter, just in the in the sense that games are, like, what, 60 bucks a pop? I don't know, for, like, the, the casual to moderate gamer... I think that I think that actually matters a lot. I can kind of see arguments both ways. I mean, there is the argument of, well, yeah, I'm I'm buying this new console, but I already have this this huge library of games from the previous generation. I should be able to play those alongside my new games. But then on the flip side, it just seems like buying a new console and having a major component of that be to play the games you can already play on your existing console it it just doesn't seem like a very good reason to upgrade and it sort of seems like just a a distraction from focusing on creating games which truly take advantage of the new hardware but i thought these weren't game consoles i thought they were home entertainment and lifestyle consoles (laughs) no like is that is that that a true phrase lifestyle consoles i've never heard that that that's that's that does sound like a very Microsoftian thing. It has to enough say. of a bullshit ring to it where it's I, I totally just <laughs> made that up. But it sounds like one of those things where Yeah. Yeah, Microsoft's a lifestyle company. We're not just we're not a desktop computing company. We don't just make Excel, we make lifestyle products. Like the yes. Zoom. Um Oh man, do you remember that one time that those not to this is a real like quick tangent. Do you remember that one time they made they made the Zoom? And then they all wouldn't stop restarting because it was New Year's Day. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that's happening again with Windows Phone. Just FYI. Oh, really? Yeah, I won't go into I won't go into it, but uh, keep a watch out. Is it like this upcoming New Year? No, no, it's coming sooner than that. It's like June thirtieth. No, but I'll explain. Off, I'll explain offline. Okay. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so so. Uh, I don't know. I just think for a lot of people, like, the, because I don't, do you really think regular people care about the graphics improvements that are happening between generations? Because for my, like, in my opinion, like, the 360 looked pretty good in terms of gaming graphics. So, so weren't most of the benefits in, like, the kind of more, like, abstract and entertainment-focused options? Yeah, I think I think they did with the last generation. I do think the move from standard definition to high definition was one that, you know, even if you weren't a highly technical person or someone who was previously into games, I think it was a was was a change that you could really appreciate. I mean, it was kind of like going from VHS to DVD. I mean, even a very casual consumer could really appreciate the the benefits and the higher quality of of going to DVD, but. I think the the jump then from, you know, high definition to just like higher definition 
isn't as isn't as strong of a sell and I include myself in that too like I think the graphical differences I think a even if they were dramatic that's sort of not really a good enough reason to get the consoles but on top of that the graphical difference actually I don't think really has been that profound like there really haven't been all that many games that have come out for either the Xbox one or the PlayStation 4 which you know I think have looked unbelievably better than what came in the previous generation. I mean, sure, some games have looked really nice, but and 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 there are things you know that really couldn't be done in the previous generation. But you know, there there haven't really been that many, and I, I don't really think the gap's been that big. Yeah, and we and we both said not that we have any like reason to speak about that, or maybe it was just me. But is it, this is gonna be the last console generation? Do you think? You know, I definitely thought that coming into it, but I mean, these consoles continue to sell so well that to who? I don't, I don't know. Who are these? People? Is it just well, parents of teenagers? I, like who? <laughs> I mean, I own all three, so <laughs> you you have not spent money on a Wii U. Oh, I certainly have. Oh, yikes! <laughs> it was a good. It was a holiday deal. <laughs> yeah, I like I have to justify it. You feel dirty. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know, but I mean, the both the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four have sold more consoles than the 360 and PlayStation Three at this point in their life cycles. So, you know, I I I don't know who these people are, but I mean, they're out there. So, I think given given those numbers, it's I don't know. Okay. And I guess to wrap up the gaming conversation, unless was there anything that you really wanted to talk about or not really? From E3? Yeah. You know, I, I think the thing that I'm most interested in, which, you know, maybe maybe we will get to separately, is the VR stuff. Okay. So, yes, let's talk about it. So, I guess I... Uh, I don't want to sound like the curmudgeon, but I, I don't get this whole Oculus stuff. Like, I get that it's an interesting technology story and an interesting company, but... Is it that I, I'm just not thinking big enough of the implications of virtual reality? Or, like, because I just don't care about any of this, ever. And, I, and I've really tried to put myself into that, like, mindset and think of how this could be cool. And right now, it makes no difference to me. So so am I thinking about it wrong? What's what's the what's the deal with Oculus, which announced that they're kind of doing their, fl- their first um, consumer headset is coming out rather soon? No, I don't think you're thinking about it wrong. I think what's missing from Oculus is there still isn't that killer application or that killer game yet. I mean, same thing goes with like HoloLens too, where I think in concept, both both Oculus and HoloLens are really neat. I mean, they, they, they sound conceptually promising, but, you know, it, it, it's similar to something like, almost like the original Wii, where... Like in concept, a motion controller sounds interesting and you can start to think of some things maybe you can do with that that you can't do with a traditional controller. But it really wasn't until you got, you know, Wii Sports in people's hands where they were like, oh yeah, okay, like now I can tangibly see what this new, you know, method of of input can do that I wasn't able to previously do. And I think that's going to have to be the same for oculus whatever the valve thing is hololens all these different uh kind of versions of virtual reality which are coming out like we really do need to see a great game or a interesting application before 
you know, I, I think we're going to be sold on it. So no, I think, I think your skepticism and kind of just general lack of enthusiasm is, is warranted so far. And also who is it for? Like, is this a product that is principally for gaming and that is what's going to sustain it for its first few generations? Or is it supposed to be kind of like an all purpose type thing? It's it's kind of hard. To, it's hard to say right now because most of these guys aren't really like talking about pricing. Um, like at well, least with the weren't the developer the, kits like four hundred dollars? Isn't that kind of what it's supposed to be? I mean, maybe. I mean, the thing was so with Oculus. So they, like you said, they they unveiled their uh, consumer version, which is going to be coming out in the I think the first quarter of next year, either first quarter or first half of next year. Um. And, you know, they also announced that it's going to be coming bundled with an Xbox One controller. Um, so you can kind of, by again, just by looking at it and by looking at the controller it's coming with, you can kind of deduce that it's it's not going to be cheap. I think $400 is probably going to be at least what it's sold at. But on top of that, you know, they've also announced some fairly stringent requirements on the the pc that you that you're going to need to have to support oculus um you know i i have a desktop that i built about almost two years ago and at the time you know bought a pretty high-end graphics card not the very top of the line but but pretty close to it and even that card isn't good enough to support oculus so you know that that's I guess it's a long way of answering your question, but I, I, I don't think out of the gate that this is going to be for a lot of people. And because, and let's mention that Oculus is a, um, a Facebook subsidiary now. Um, do you think they just have kind of unlimited time and funds to burn? Um, I, I just think that it, I think the technology they're using is actually expensive and I think it takes a lot of hardware power to run. But I think both of those things are areas which over time will improve and kind of gravitate more towards a price point and, you know, a hardware requirement that you know, more people can get behind. So I, I, I really don't, I don't think that like version one of Oculus or version one of HoloLens or ver really version one of any of this stuff is really going to be like earth shattering, but I do think that like versions two, three, four, that's where this stuff is going to get really, really interesting. Because like, we, we've kind of like, I feel like we've sort of talked about this a little bit tangentially on the show, like when we've been talking about sort of what some of the problems are with the iPad and sort of why it hasn't become like a bigger device than it really maybe we thought it was going to be at the beginning. And like my point that I keep coming back to always is like method of input. And I think like, what we've seen over the last like 10 years has been sort of like a transition from, you know, mouse and keyboard to touchscreen. And I, I do think that there really is like this big kind of unknown and kind of this, this desire for like, okay, what's, what's next, what's going to be, what's going to replace just a simple touchscreen. Um, and, and I, I, I do think that it's, it's pretty logical to think that something like an Oculus or HoloLens sort of is that is that thing. Maybe not exactly in the form that these version one products are in today, but something sort of in that category. All right, and that includes uh, concludes our gaming hour. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that was quick and painless.
Well, it's kind of interesting because that Oculus news actually came out the week before E3. Um, and I, I haven't really seen a lot of Oculus talk specifically at E3. So, so and quick question, uh, where, does the, where does E3 take place? Uh, Los Angeles. Uh, what venue? At the Los Angeles Convention Center. Oh, okay. Never, never mind. What, what was going to be your comment? I was hoping it was like at the Staples Center. I was going to be like, oh, because they don't have to use it for other stuff. <laughs> well, the convention center is very nearby Staples, so gotcha. There, ha- there have been complaints in the past when either the NBA Finals or the uh, Stanley Cup Final has overlapped with E3. What's the complaint? That this the city is just chaos. It's just too crowded. Isn't that just what it always is? Isn't that just Southern California? <laughs> okay. Um. All right. So, what else do we have? This has actually been a pretty. Uh... For for a show without a plan, this has been a pretty easy week. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've I've kind of done a lot of talking here though, so. <laughs> okay. Yikes! All right. <laughs> um. Well, actually, uh, uh, do you want to talk uh, about a more conceptual, uh, kind of a uh, not super, um, like time sensitive topic? Oh, these these are my favorite. Yes. So, guys, do you? Do you think uh, what what do you think is for regular people the what what makes regular people listen to podcasts and do you think podcasts are going to so I guess other people have talked about this for a little bit of how like like what happens to what's said on podcasts since they're like inherently like unsearchable and they're just such a gigantic time commitment that they're not very accessible or like researchable for the public. Like, do you do you think any of that's true, or do you think there's any way that's ever going to get fixed? Um, I no, I, I guess I don't. I don't agree with some of that. Like, I, 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 some podcasts are long, but some are very just very short, ten, fifteen minutes long. Well, I guess like what I would say, like, what if you wanted to, like, you thought there was a really good interview on the talk show, like a couple months ago. And you wanted to go search for it, and you're like, "Oh, they said this one really salient point, and I and I want to go find that." How on earth would you do that right now? Yeah, you you really you really wouldn't be able to. I I do think one of the areas of weakness with podcasting is the aggregation of podcasting and the way that podcasts are presented to people through just you know a podcast app. There are lots of really good ones, but there aren't any great ones. Well, and also, and it's a kind of. At that point, since like no nobody in their right mind offers um, like transcription services or like a fully um, what what is it called? Well, yeah, you just they don't offer transcripts of the actual show because I mean that's just time and cost prohibitive. But like unless you do insanely detailed show notes and you find a way to like divide up a podcast. If like let's say I wanted to share a really cool segment of upgrade with you, like I would have to tell you, oh, this is the episode number. It gets good around minute forty-one, and then just listen to until you heard it. Like I, I just not that we're like terribly influential people in this medium, but as somebody who enjoys podcasts and spends like a decent amount of their time listening to them, I just I just worry about like the long term archivability and searchability and just like ability to reference podcasts going forward because it like as as you know like advertisers are paying attention to this kind of thing and it's 
it's something that more people are enjoying. So I just don't, I don't know. There's no Google for podcasts and I don't know how there could be. That actually was exactly what I was, that's exactly what I was going to say is there, there isn't a Google for podcasting. And that is, uh, yeah, I guess I, I haven't, I haven't really thought about podcasts in that way before and how maybe one of the issues with them is just how kind of unsearchable they are. Well, I have, I have a, a good like um, example. So last week uh, on the talk show, which was recorded live um, uh, from WWDC, uh, John Gruber had a, a surprise guest, which was Phil Schiller, where there was a ton of outstanding uh, uh, interview questions and responses and things that I think many, many, many people would like to share or perhaps refer back to in other articles. But how on earth do you get that, like those insights and like that primary source material outside of a one and a half hour MP3 file? Like that, that, that was a fantastic interview, which like in the future would be something that people would want to perhaps cite or um, look for. So I guess I just don't know what has to what's going to be the thing that makes this type of media more consumable, shareable, just all, all of the able words. Hmm. That's a re- that's a really interesting it's a really interesting thought. And I I I guess I haven't really I haven't really heard anybody bring that up as a primary um weakness of podcasting. I mean, I mean, do you think that's what keeps like do you think like the lack of shareability is what keeps people from listening to podcasts because the fact that they just don't think they have an hour cuz most most good podcasts like unless it's like a strictly like narrative or storytelling based thing are generally like 30 minutes to like an hour and 30 minutes, right? Or or is it, or am I just listening to the wrong podcasts? Uh no, well, I mean there there are shorter versions, you know, shorter versions of podcasts, but I think in general that the hour to an hour and a half seems to be where a lot of shows are. So I guess like just for a lot of people like how on earth like do you get into something when you're kind of suggesting that the minimum commitment is is an hour and a half? Hmm. Like there's no way like I don't know. Like unless everything like have you ever used SoundCloud before? I have, yeah. Like unless everybody starts posting it to that and you can link to like a specific timestamp of a um of a podcast, I, I just don't know what, what people would do. Like, is that what over is that what Overcast does? I've seen people sharing links where it it like codes to a specific like timestamp. Yeah, know. no, I think I yeah, no, I think that that's right. But even so, you know, then you're I think relying on whoever you're sharing that with to I think also have Overcast. No. Well, I think it expands like inside like some weird funky web player. I I don't know. Mm, okay. But I mean, if if you if people like you and I don't even really know how that works, then you know that's that's likely not something that is uh, going to be you know easily accessible by you know people who aren't you know thinking about podcasts almost every day like we are. Sure. Well, anyway, that was my uh, very very uh, abstract and loose topic. Just wondering, I don't know, because I I get a ton of enjoyment out of podcasts. But I can understand where me saying, hey, this episode's very good. And then somebody looks at, oh, 72 minutes. Well, I'm just going to go play Candy Crush. 
I, I don't see. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's really just the length. I, th- I think your your earlier point about the fact that when you do want to share a podcast episode with somebody, that's just sometimes not a very easy process. Well, in the sense that they either have to invest like seventy two minutes, and you're like, oh, there's some good stuff in the middle. Like, there's just no way to like clip a podcast or say like this is an important segment. Just because nobody puts like chapters or timestamps in podcasts, like for for obvious reasons. Yeah, I just I don't know. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Suggest- podcasts are such an interesting medium. They are. Just because I don't know. Again, maybe it's just I, we we live inside a bubble, or there's just like weird things. But like I think like I I just imagine everybody listens to them. And I like, but I, I kind of do too. But I also imagine that nobody listens to terrestrial radio, and I'm sure there are people that that listen to 40 minutes of of car dealership ads and 20 minutes of actual music per hour. What else? I mean, we can, you know we, it's okay to have a short show this week. I mean, it is it is sort of a a slow a slow week. Let me just make sure. Okay, I I put. I put inside the Slack that you should uh, consider a, a BMW 7 Series instead of your uh, Ford Escape. Yeah, I didn't really understand that. Just why not? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, isn't, isn't that a, like a sedan? Of course it is. I don't, I don't want a sedan. But you're a classy guy. Well, thank you, but I, I don't want a sedan. But it's beautiful. I actually don't particularly care, how, care for how BMWs look. How dare you? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, but... In what way? I don't know. I just, I don't... And a Fiesta I don't find... looks better? No, no, certainly not. Well, so, wait, well, actually, uh, like, other than Tesla or something like that, what, what, what cars do you find very, very attractive? Please don't say Audi. No, yeah, no, no, I, would, I wouldn't put Audi in there. I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the newer Lexus models look really oh, nice. Oh, come now. No. <laughs> they have those like over like just they all look so weird and they have these sh- like excessive sharp lines. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I I think I think they look nice. I don't think BMWs look bad. I just I just for me, I there just really isn't uh there really isn't a model uh that I that I find that I'm particularly drawn to. And with the interior, they they they're guilty of doing that thing which I really don't like where the screen is just sort of like this thing that just like pops up from the dash and like isn't integrated into the vehicle at all. Yeah, mine looks mine looks integrated, but no, their whole new trend in in the newer models is that it looks like there's just kind of this like tablet that's sticking up from your dashboard. Right, and you know, and like Audi does this too. And oh I, no, and I, and, I and Mercedes is 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 even worse, where the, theirs just looks like it's like a 1950 because like even though it's a flat screen, they make it look like it's a CRT TV in it. Yeah, so I mean, what like like do do people like that? I I don't know. I th- I like I think they think it's futuristic, but it's just ugly. Yeah, the, the this display key thing is pretty neat though. It's so it's so silly and useless. They, they... No, I know it's it's one of those things that would kind of demo neat, but in practice. But the car itself just oh beautiful. Anyway, yeah, see, I don't I don't agree with that. I I don't I think I think it looks nice, but I, I'm not not crazy about it all right so actually tell, tell me what's what's the what do you think the timeline is on your uh your new fancy escape 
Oh, so the the timeline. So the the uh, the fiesta, the lease is up on that. Uh, I think it's I think it's August thirty first, or somewhere somewhere thereabouts. Um, and uh, I've actually been in communication with one of the local uh, Ford dealerships just to kind of find out when, when they're expecting to get the uh, the twenty sixteen Escape in stock. And um, evidently, that's going to be happening uh, in about three to four weeks. So. Uh, I think I think the plan now is to at least you know stop by, take a look, um, just see if you know because it's, it's kind of sometimes it's kind of hard to tell just on the internet like with pictures and three D views and stuff sort of what a car looks like. So I think you you really gotta you gotta go for a test drive, you know, as you would say. So yeah, absolutely. So I think so I think I'll do that, and I really I really do want to try Sync Three in person. I think playing playing around with that sum will be be useful. And do you genuinely have high hopes for um, the upgradability or the, the promise that uh, Siri, like Eyes Free Siri and CarPlay, will eventually be integrated? Well, so Eyes Free Siri is integrated right off the bat. Okay. There's a de- there's a dedicated button for it, and it's it's a it's an advertised feature of Sync Three. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I, I think so. Um, Ford Ford is 110% in on this whole Sync 3 thing. Um, I've read a lot about it, and I mean, all of their executives are out there talking about how this is sort of their platform of the future. So, yeah, no, I, I do think they'll make good on that promise. Now, I don't know if CarPlay is any good or if it will ever be any good. So maybe, like, there'll be this long wait for it, and then it'll come out, and it's just be complete crap. But, um, no, I, I think they'll, they'll make good on it, and it, it'll be there eventually. Gotcha. So yeah, I mean we'll uh, we'll see. I, th- I think it'll be you know I'll I'll check it out you know sometime hopefully in the next month and then um, you know sometime in probably September make make the move. But we'll see you know. Fantastic. All right, and then just to round this episode out, I think I will bring up uh, your point about uh, that six is greater than six. <laughs> so Samsung has has just bottomless pockets. Apparently, they just sponsor everything that's humanly possible. Like, do you remember last year when they did the first year of um, Major League Baseball instant replay? I or, or like replay review? Yes, kind of. So, do you remember that anytime that actually happened, the um, the like the little dude who held the uh, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, the the guy who brings out the the headsets for the umpires. Exactly, and he says to stand there like next to two um, uh, umpires that are like physically attached to him with with wired headphones. Yes. So he was always wear, wearing a, a like a uniform that said this replay review is brought to you by Samsung. I don't really remember that. Okay. Well, anyway, just Samsung seems to have like more like just endless amounts of money. Like every sporting event, they're involved, and it seems in particular. With the NBA, they just have so many sponsorship deals. And and all throughout the entire NBA finals and playoffs, it was all Samsung ads over and over and over again. And this year, their tagline has been that uh, six is greater than six. Because uh, the Samsung Galaxy S6 and the iPhone 6. Anyway, so what's, what's, what's your thinking on this? I just, I, think, I just think it's a terrible slogan. I just... I get the. I think the premise of the article of of the ads rather is is fine, and they they make some you know good comparisons, I guess. But it just the slogan itself is just it's clunky. 
So so it doesn't it doesn't have the ring that next big thing did. <laughs> well, let's not go that far. Um, it's already here. <laughs> I mean, just it, visually, I don't think it looks very good, and I just don't think when you say it out loud, it sounds very good. It's just a it's just I don't know. It's a very uh, kind of unintuitive. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just not my not just not not something that i find myself particularly drawn to as a consumer sure which i guess i could say about most of what samsung does well you love don't you don't you own one of those uh wacky samsung smart tvs i like literally had to turn around and double check yes i I do own a (laughs) samsung tv well i don't ever use any of the like internet features on it so it's just you know it's just a black screen in my living room but yes, I, I do own a Samsung TV that I that I've had for like almost four years now, and, and do enjoy very much. So all this advertising worked. So. Yeah, apparently, yes. All right, and with that, do you want to wrap this up? Let's wrap it up. All right. <laughs>